I've always been fascinated with volcanoes, and in terms of geography, it was probably the first real wow moment as maybe as being a kid. And whether it was at school or maybe reading through books as a kid, and even watching the 1997 film of Volcano and being terrified and a little bit excited at the same time. Volcanoes are something that we are aware of, even as small kids. They're in TV shows, kids' TV shows, and films. But do you know the two types of volcanoes? Where they are located in the world? How Hawaii is formed? Do you know about the Mount St. Helens volcanic eruption? And even the story of when three men fell into a volcanic crater and still live to tell the tale? Find out in this week's episode of That Jog Pod with me, Mr. Darby. Now a volcano, by definition, is a rupture in the Earth's crust that allows magma, hot ash and gas to be released. Volcanoes, I suppose to us, tend to look like a bit like triangles, large cone-sized hills, a little bit mountainous, however they can be a lot smaller. They can have gradual inclines and they can even be under ocean, out of sight. Volcanic eruptions can bring around four major hazards. The first one is lava or the magma if it's underground, generally that orange stuff that oozes from the volcano's crater or the vents around it. Now when we talk about magma and lava we would think it actually cause more deaths than it does, but magma is the least death causer out of all the hazards that volcanoes bring. So we'll have a look at the, the deadliest, the pyroclastic flow. When you see that large gas and um, ash cloud that's, like, that's emitted from a volcano, that's called a pyroclastic flow. And what happens is this boiling hot gas and ash can choke, poison the local area or anything or anyone around it. So this causes the most deaths. It was the major cause of destruction and death in the city of Pompeii, where it choked and polluted the area and encased it in an ash tomb. Now, volcanoes also bring around mud and landslides. Due to volcanoes mainly being mountainous areas, there is snowfall and ice on the top of them. So whenever that heat is released, this, this ice, this snow melts and cre can create a landslide and a mudslide on the slopes around it. And this can kill thousands of people. It doesn't stop there. Volcanic eruptions can create lava bombs which when you think about it, is basically what it says in the tin. When volcanoes erupt, these massive bombs of rock and lava spew out to the local area and land on whatever, whatever and whoever they want to, causing death, destruction, injury, and so on. So when a volcano erupts, it's not just that lava that goes down the side that you may see on like the end of Lord of the Rings, when Frodo and Sam are clutching on that rock and lava's flowing all around them. It can in fact bring a hell of a lot. And I've got a little bugbear about Lord of the Rings, especially the last one, because they were on that mountainside for a hell of a long time and lava was spewing down the sides and it would have had a pyroclastic flow. So in fact, Gandalf and the eagles men wouldn't have probably got there in the end if it was for the pyroclastic flow. But anyway, that's just me procrastinating. Now the two types of volcanoes that we can get on planet Earth. 
We have composite volcanoes and we have shield volcanoes. But we'll start with composite. Now the composite volcano is what you may draw as a kid. That sort of high cone shape. You've got the crater at the top. You've got the bubbling magma chamber beneath. And it's generally, if I say volcano, it's probably what you've got pitched in your head. Now composite volcanoes are formed along convergent plate boundaries. They are tall, steep-sided cones rising up several thousand metres from the narrow base and they are made of alternate layers of ash and lava. A little bit like a pyramid shape. Now composite volcanoes emit and bulge out something called andesitic lava. Now that's important in terms of why they are tall and steep-sided. Now andesitic lava, because it is erupted from composite volcanoes, has a high silica content. Basically what that means is it makes it more thick and sticky. The lava is more viscous. So actually the lava only flows and travels a short distance before cooling. It doesn't have the sort of the runniness of like maybe it's a water or, or the, the next lava that we'll look at to go a long distance. So it stays on the volcano sides and makes it more steep sided. Now eruptions for a composite volcano tend to be infrequent. They are not very often, but when they do occur, you hear about them because they are extremely violent. After an eruption, the vent becomes blocked with solidified lava, causing the pressure beneath to build up until there is another eruption. A little bit like when you put a lid on a bottle of Diet Coke and you shake it. It's a similar sort of idea, the pressure builds up. Now during explosions, the lava shatters into pieces producing lava blooms and very the very hot floors of gas and ash, the pyroclastic floor. These volcanoes are the main killer on planet Earth. These kill people when the volcanoes erupt suddenly and further deaths may be caused by the mud floors, the lahars from melted snow. If you were going to watch a disaster film about a volcano or create a story about a volcano, your composite volcanoes you go to. It's the sort of the goat when it comes to volcanoes. It's the one that causes the most death. It's the Hollywood volcano. It's the one that entombed Pompeii. And it's the one that is the major supervolcano at Yellowstone. Now the second type of volcano is something called a shield volcano and perhaps the probably a little bit less common in knowledge. Now a shield volcano is quite aptly named. A shield volcano resembles maybe it's like a, a Captain America shield. It is very low and gentle sloping and has a very wide base. Shield volcanoes are often found on divergent plate boundaries or over something called a hotspot but we'll get on to that. Now, shale volcanoes make up uh, Iceland, for example, that is located, as we found out last episode, on a divergent plate boundary. These are built from lava only. There is no ash, there is no layers of ash and lava, they are just lava. Which means that many shale volcanoes erupt from fissures as well as the crater at the top. Now, shale volcanoes erupt something called balsatic lava. Now, this has a low silica content, 
which means it is less viscous. Just means that it's runny and the complete opposite to andesitic lava. So because this runny lava pours out of the crater easily, it flows as long distances before it cools. That creates the low, gentle slope and sides. Eruptions opposite to composite volcanoes tend to be more frequent and gentle. And they don't kill many people worldwide because they are very well predicted and people don't tend to live in the proximity or the close proximity of shield volcanoes as they erupt more often. While balsatic lava destroys property and crops, as I've said, lives are very, very rarely lost. Now, Kilauea in Hawaii has been erupted for a few months now, and I suggest you go on BBC News or YouTube and type in Kilauea, and that's an example of a shield volcano, the constant oozing out of this sort of less viscous lava, um, creating this shield volcano. And over time, shield volcanoes create land, and generally, they provide fertile soil, and they're quite, they're quite good. They're the good guys of the volcano world. Now, in last week's episode, we established that there is a strong correlation between the location of plate margins and the location of volcanic and earthquake activity. However, there are some instances where volcanoes occur in the middle of plates and not on the boundary. And the famous islands of Hawaii are just these types of phenomena. Now, why do you think this might happen? Now, the reason why this happens is something called a hotspot. And a hotspot is where there is a weakness in the Earth's crust and it's possible for a magma to erupt through this. Now, how does this happen? Now, what you get underneath the crust is you get plumes of superheated rock. It's not magma, but they rise very slowly through the mantle. And once it reaches the upper mantle, it causes the athenosphere and the base of the lithosphere to melt. Now, the magma then rises up through the weaknesses in the crust at the middle or in the middle of a plate boundary and cause an eruption at the Earth's surface in the form of a volcano. Now, if it is an oceanic hotspot, they erupt balsamic lava, creating huge shale volcanoes over time. Continental hotspots erupt viscous lava, so they create composite volcanoes and can be very explosive. Now, if this happens underneath water, like Hawaii, you can get the mountains and the volcanoes going from the seabed or the floor, and they eventually reach the surface and create quite tropical islands. Now, the mantle plumes or hotspots are fixed in one place in the mantle. They don't move. And as the crust moves on top of the, these plumes of, of hotspots and these superheated plumes, as they move away from the volcanoes, the, you get an island chain. And as they move away from the hotspot, these volcanoes then become extinct because they are no longer a above the heat source so they get progressively older so if you can see on the tip of the hawaiian islands to the north they are the very old extinct volcanoes and the main island that has like honolulu on has the big active volcanoes because that's where the hot spot is still located this plume is so powerful it can erupt through the middle of plates 
Although that's very rare, and the volcanoes tend to happen at player boundaries, this is why you can find them in the middle of plates. We now need to go to 1980, to Northwest USA, to focus on an eruption that established itself as one of the worst in recorded American history, the eruption of the Smoky Mountain, Mount St. Helens. St. Helens is located in Washington State in America, which is on the Pacific Coast. It's above California, it's in the top left-hand corner of the USA. Now it's on the Pacific Coast, which means it, these volcanoes in the Pacific Ring of Fire. Now because it's in the Pacific Ring of Fire, it is a very active volcano, and it's still active today. Now because this mountain is located, this volcano is located in the Cascade Range, it's a very popular place for tourists to go camping and climbing and hiking, so it's very popular. Now the volcano, ever since 1980, looks significantly different to what it looked before that, because of this eruption. Let's have a look what happened on May 18th, 1980. Now on May 18th, 1980, Mount St. Helens erupted, killing 57 people and decimated 210 square miles of wilderness. It flattened trees like matchsticks and decimated local animals. However, this, this volcanic eruption was not a sudden explosive eruption. It didn't catch anyone off guard. In fact, there were some warnings of an eruption days, weeks and even months before it actually occurred. Now on March 20th, 1980, so almost two months before the eruption, noticeable volcanic activity began, with a series of small tremors centered on the ground just beneath the, the north of the mountain. These earthquakes escalated and seven days later on the 27th of March, a small minor eruption occurred, and Mount St. Helens began emitting some steam and ash through its crater and its vents. So there were some signs almost two months beforehand. Now moving into the rest of March and then the majority of April, small eruptions continued daily. These small eruptions didn't really affect anyone, they didn't affect the, the natural environment. A lot of people actually believe that these small eruptions is what we were waiting for for Mount St. Helens. Now in April, people who were a little bit familiar with the mountain noticed that it changed slightly, that the north face was getting bigger, it was bulging out. Now this was confirmed by scientists when that bulge actually made the, the mountain grow by a mile in diameter. So the mountain was getting bigger. Now this is not usual for a volcano. The side of a mountain doesn't get bigger. The eruption usually happens from the top. Now this bulge was caused by magma below pushing the mountain upwards and outwards. Almost like you're blowing a balloon until it's maximum capacity. It's about to explode. Now, as scientists realized this, the authorities, so the police, the local council, advised and began evacuating hundreds and even thousands of people from the area. But a few people refused to leave. Now, 
after days, weeks and months of, of warnings, of signs that this volcano was going to erupt, on May 18th, 1980, Mount St. Helens was shaken by an earthquake of around about a five magnitude that triggered one of the US's worst volcanic eruptions in history. The eruption caused a, a giant landslide on the north side of the mountain. This landslide contained rock and ice and it was one of the largest recorded in history. And this was followed and overtaken by an enormous explosion of steam and volcanic gases which surged northward along the ground at high speed. Now Mount St Helens had a lateral blast which is when the volcano erupts from its side. When we see in films volcanoes erupt vertically and they come out from the top whereas Mount St Helens was from its side. Now this blast stripped trees from most hill slopes within six miles of the volcano and levelled nearly all vegetation as far as 12 miles away. So approximately 10 million trees were, were destroyed, were completely ruined and were, were flattened like matchsticks by this blast from the volcano. Now this landslide was a mixture of, of ash and mud combined with water from, from melted ice came down the side of the mountain of, of speeds of, of over 100 miles per hour. Now the avalanche of, of this sludge flooded a local lake called Spirit Lake and, and because of this millions of fish were killed by the, the eruption instantly and poisoned in this, in this lake. Now it has no spirit, Spirit Lake, which is the irony of the name and um, yeah it was completely, the ecosystem is and has been de devastated by this, this volcanic eruption. Now again, mud floors, pyroclastic floors, which again is that is that chalk and ash cloud that comes after a volcano, destroyed bridges, parks, thousands of acres of forests. Now simultaneously with the avalanche, a vertical eruption of gas and ash formed mushroom and column over the volcano. So the ash that got spewed up and outwards into the into the local area caused ash to fall in local towns and cities and it, it, it was a little bit like snow falling from, from the sky and it drifted around the globe within two weeks. Now because of this eruption and because they were they were more prepared than say a developing nation, it was in the US so it's developed, 57 people unfortunately died but it could have been a lot more, it could have been of the thousands. Thousands of animals were killed, millions of fish were, were killed in Spirit Lake and the local lakes around. And it really was a, an ecosystem devastation caused by Mount St. Helens. Now, by the late afternoon of May 18th, the, the eruption subsided. It, it, it essentially ceased to happen. Now, Mount St. Helens volcanic cone, so that what you before the volcano, Mount St. Helens looks like a volcano. I know that sounds a, a little bit a little bit funny, a little bit daft, but if you could draw one, you'd you'd draw Mount St. Helens. It was it was a cone shape, it had a distinctive distinctive crater at the top. Now after this volcano, because of the of the landslide and the explosion, it now has a horseshoe shaped crater. And again, if you want to pause now, I do advise you, you go on Google Maps and, and look at Mount St. Helens and go on 3D view or type into Google images before and after Mount St. Helens and look at the the absolute change in the in the volcano and the and just the shape of it. it. It really is amazing how the land can just be changing in effectively a day. Now since then the volcanoes produced five smaller eruptions. Now it, it, but again, nothing like 1980, 
Now, Mount St. Helens became active again in 2004, and on March 8, 2005, some, a small plume of steam of ash was expelled from the mountain, but however, it was nothing as devastating as the 1980 eruption. The final section of this podcast is the remarkable story of Craig Hoskins, Chris Duddy and Michael Benson and their escape from a live shield volcano in Hawaii. And I really do advise you Google, check it out on the news, on YouTube about these three people because they crash landed a helicopter in the middle of a crater of a volcano and lived to tell the tale. Now in November of 1992, Craig, Michael and Chris were capturing a live action shot of a live volcano for a Hollywood film and they hadn't quite got their shot days before drones so that was the only really way to capture the live action picture and after a few attempts they tried one last time and unfortunately because their helicopter got a little bit too close to the heat escaping it fried its fuel pipes and the helicopter failed it had to crash land now the pilot luckily kept on control of the helicopter as it went down and they escaped the actual crash with nothing but minor cuts to the hands to the face but nothing serious however they were in the volcano and arguably it's probably the fear worse than death the the horror of enduring being trapped inside a volcanic crater with not many people knowing that's where you were they narrowly missed the bubbling lava pool that was located in the crater but the gas and the fumes was already starting to choke them immediately the three men were overwhelmed by noxious gases that the volcano emits the sulfur dioxide, the hydrogen sulfide, and the carbon dioxide. So they decided to climb out. They got themselves about 80 foot above the crash site and immediately was in horror by the steep, crumbly rock face that was near impossible to scale. Craig Hoskins, the pilot, decided to use the helicopter's radio in the risk of choking near the crash site to get help. Craig was rescued by a daring attempt from a helicopter pilot daring enough to fly into the volcano to capture it just hours after the, the, the crash landed. Michael and Chris, blinded by the ash and gas, did not see Craig being rescued from the helicopter. They were blinded, so they assumed that Craig had choked and died back where they originally crash landed from the noxious fumes. Chris Dudley and Michael Benson were desperate at this point and after almost 24 hours inside a volcano's crater, Dudley decided it wasn't, he wasn't going to wait for rescue and die, but to climb the rest of the way out. Michael Benson thought it was suicide, so he decided to remain. Now, um, Chris dug his arms into the sharp volcanic rock and remarkably scaled the sheer 120 foot rock face and swung, swung over the lip at the top to, to safety. When he was out of the volcano at the top, he was out after 27 hours after the crash. So imagine that, climbing a 120 foot rock face without ropes, without any help, tired, thirsty, hungry, and to get yourself out there, pure desperation. Michael, however, alone, 
assumed Chris did not make it because he thought it was impossible and he couldn't communicate with him anymore due to the loud noise from the crater. Now, because he thought his companions perished, he tried to stave off panic. Now, he recited the alphabet backwards, he prayed, and when it rained, Mr. Benson cupped his hands to collect drinking water, but sudden eruptions from the volcano would send waves of fear. He said he imagined he saw the Pele, the volcano goddess of legend, looking back at him across the crater. He told her that she was not going to take him, and he actually got up and screamed at her. By the Monday morning, two days without sleep, food, he reached his limit. He'd been in this volcano for 48 hours. He thought he'd die there. Luckily, um, in a moment break of the steam and the gas, a rescue mission from a helicopter spotted Mr. Benson clinging on to his two by four crevice on the mountain face. He was, he, he was lucky. And at about 10.45 a.m., Mr. Benson was able to scramble into a rescue net and returned back to his two other friends and they were all overjoyed that they got out of this out of this devastating situation and as he was being lifted he turned back to Madame Pelé the goddess of the volcano and said you didn't beat me you didn't get me now imagine that falling into a live volcano and living to tell the tale I certainly wouldn't want to do it myself Thank you for listening to that jog pod that was volcanoes i've been mr darby join me next week where i discuss volcanoes more destructive more deadly ugly sister earthquakes